Chapter 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, Sardis. Look at this picture of Sardis. Sardis literally sat on the top of a hill. It was, in the ancient world, an impenetrable city. No one had ever conquered it except two armies. And both of those armies sent small groups of soldiers to sneak up the cliffs into the city, get into the city, open the doors, and let them in. They snuck in like a thief in the night. And twice they were conquered. The exact same thing happened. Once in 547, once in 214. The Persians did it once and the Greeks did it. And Jesus in this letter says, watch out or I'll come like a thief. I'll come like a thief. Jesus here is the one who holds the seven spirits and the seven stars. He's talking about the sovereignty of Jesus. These people thought they lived in an impenetrable city. And Jesus is reminding them, I have all power. Your walls, your cliffs are no threat to me. The commendation, the church at Sardis had a few people who were faithfully following Jesus. This is kind of a sad commendation. The best thing I can say about you is you got a few decent folks. I Man, I hope that's not true of our church. The Lord Jesus was to write a letter to us. Well, you got a few who were faithful. That was the best that could be said of this church. A few that were faithfully following Jesus. The rebuke, you have a reputation of being alive, but in reality you're dead. You understand that's apocalypse. Your social media feed is blowing up. Your church calendar is full. There's not an empty seat in the room on Sunday morning. People are excited. you got the best building in town. You have the reputation of being alive. And then Jesus pulls back the curtain and he says, you know what? It's all dead bones in there. It's all dead. That's what apocalypse does. Encouragement. Warning. Jesus said he would come like a thief against Sardis unless they woke up, strengthened what remained, remembered what they heard, and repented of sin. He would come like a thief. The promise, those who conquered would be clothed in white. That's an important color in the book of Revelation. It indicates purity clothed in white, and they would have their name written in the book of life. I'll give you some verses for the book of life. I'm going to give these to you quick. We don't have the time to trace them all out. Exodus 32, Moses talks about the book. Isaiah 4, Daniel 12, Luke 10, Philippians 4, and Hebrews 12. 
The promise is that your name will not be blotted out. You're secure and you're safe if you will listen to what Jesus is telling you to do. All right, Philadelphia, chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one's able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and they will learn that I've loved you because you've kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. That's a call to the end of the book. And my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, Philadelphia. Established in 189, King Eumenes. The second of Pergamum named it in honor of his brother. Uh, there was an earthquake in A.D. 17 that almost completely destroyed the city. And this is where Tiberius came in. I said Tiberius earlier. I meant Domitian. Now it's Tiberius' turn. Uh, Emperor Tiberius said, you don't have to pay taxes because you've got a city to rebuild. Right? Pass on the income tax while you rebuild your city. All I ask in exchange is that you build a temple to me and you offer incense there and you worship me. And they took it. They took the tax break and they built a temple to Tiberius and they worshipped the emperor. A few pictures of Philadelphia. Not a major town, not a whole lot of ruins if you visit it today. Description of Jesus. He's the one who's holy and true, who holds the key of David. The key of David. That goes back to Isaiah 22. The line of David was about to be extinguished and sent into exile. And Isaiah promised that a man named Eliakim would be given the keys of David. Eliakim was not a king. He was a steward. He was to hold the throne until the people came back from exile and the line of David would be reestablished. So the key of David, holding the key of David, is saying Jesus is the rightful heir of David. He's the son of David. He's the true king of all kings. Commendation. The church of Philadelphia had little power, but they were faithful and they refused to deny Jesus. Little power, but they were faithful and they refused to deny Jesus. Jesus says in verse 8, I know that you have little power. Maybe there was not a lot of them. Maybe it was a small church. Maybe they were not influential people. Maybe they didn't have a lot of money. Maybe they were the dregs of society. But Jesus pulls back the curtain and he says, you don't look like much. But you're doing the right thing. You've kept my word and you have not denied my name. Uh, rebuke. There's no rebuke for the church in Philadelphia. There is encouragement and warning. And it centers on the idea of an open door. Jesus sets an open door before them. 
probably what he's talking about is some combination of an opportunity to do ministry and an open door into eternal life. He's giving them an opportunity to serve and to bear witness, and he's guaranteeing their place in the new heavens and the new earth. Here's the promise. This is why I say that's uh, the idea of an open door. The promise is those who conquer will be a pillar in the temple. How many of you are excited about that? When you go to heaven, God's going to make you a pillar. Sounds great, right? It's apocalypse. It's symbolic. doesn't mean you're going to be turned into a pillar. It means that you're going to have a place in the temple. You're going to be there where God is. Now, this is also symbolic because when you get to the end of Revelation, Revelation says there is no temple in the new heavens and the new earth. We don't need a temple because God is there. So you're not going to be a real pillar in a real temple. The idea is that you're going to really be with God. This is what I mean. We're going to do this all the way through Revelation when I say, look at the symbolism, take it seriously, not literally. No one's going to be turned into a pillar. Not going to be a temple in the new heavens and the new earth. But the image really does mean something. It really means that you're going to be with God and you're going to have gospel hope. You understand this idea of a pillar in a temple and security would be really good news for people whose city just got flattened by an earthquake. Everything they had built got flattened. And Jesus is saying, that ain't going to happen. If you'll be faithful to me, you'll be like a pillar in the temple. You'll have a place. All right, last one, Laodicea. Chapter 3, verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot, would that you were either cold or hot, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Laodicea, <clears throat> Laodicea was wealthy. They were the wealthiest city in the region, uh, known for commerce, medicine, and known for a lack of water. Uh, there's a few pictures, I think, of Laodicea here, maybe just one picture. In 60 AD, the city was completely flattened by an earthquake, completely destroyed. They had so much money, that when Rome came and offered aid with conditions and strings, they said, we don't need any of it. We can rebuild our own city. It'd be like New Orleans and the FEMA trailers pull up and they say, we don't need it. We can rebuild the whole thing. We got enough money. It was a wealthy, wealthy, independent city. Located on a crossroads of trade. They made high-end wool clothing, very fashionable, very expensive. They had a medical school. The best eye doctor in the ancient world graduated from the medical school uh, here in Laodicea. He wrote the textbook, literally wrote the textbook on the human eye, and he went to medical school here. 
they produced a famous ISAV, and they had no water. So we can relate to that. They had no water in Laodicea. And I'll put a map up to show you where they got their water from. Hierapolis had hot water, natural hot springs. And they built aqueducts. You can go see them. And they piped the water from Hierapolis. But by the time that hot water made about the 10-mile journey to Laodicea, it wasn't hot anymore. They got cold water from the mountain in Colossae. And I think if you go back to that last picture, you can actually see the mountains in Colossae off in the distance with the snow cap. So this snow would melt and run off in Colossae, and they would get this cold water, and they piped it to Laodicea. But by the time it got to Laodicea, it wasn't cold anymore. It was just lukewarm. And both of the pipes coming from each direction, you can go visit them today. They're completely calcified because the water in both places had a high calcium content. So by the time the hot or the cold water got to Laodicea, it was just like Odessa tap water. Calcified, blah, not really good for anything. And that's certainly in view here. Okay, what's the description of Jesus? He is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Doesn't mean Jesus was created, it means he was the creator, the agent of creation. Commendation, no commendation. You don't do anything good. I don't like anything about your church. Rebuke, they were lukewarm and self-sufficient. When you understand the water situation, you realize that lukewarm doesn't mean wishy-washy, in the middle, I'm not on fire for Jesus, I'm just kind of, that's not the point. The point is, you're gross and you're worthless. That's what lukewarm means. You're gross and you're worthless. Self-sufficient. They rebuilt their own city. They didn't need Roman help. They literally rebuilt all of it without a dime from Rome. And Jesus says, you think you're rich, and you think you see, and you think you have great clothing, but you're really poor, and you're blind, and you're naked. That's the apocalypse. I'm going to pull back the curtain. On the outside, you look great, but when you pull back the curtain, you're pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. Encouragement warning. Jesus offered them gold, white garments, and salve if they would repent and respond to Jesus. It's such a funny offer. They literally made the world's most expensive clothing. They literally sold the world's best eye salve. And they literally were the richest city in the area. And Jesus says, I have what you really need. I can help you see. I can give you true treasure. And I can clothe you. You don't have any of these things. Shriner, in the context of the invitation and call about knocking at the door. He says it's not an evangelistic summons. It's a word for believers in Laodicea calling them to repentance. I'll let you trace that theme out on your own. The promise, those who conquer will be invited to share the Father's throne with Jesus. You may be interested to know that Laodicea was known as a throne city in the Roman Empire. It's a throne city. It's a designation given to certain cities. And this is what Apocalypse does. It pulls back the curtains and it says, you think you have access to the throne, but Jesus is giving you true access to the throne. Here's the conclusion. We'll wrap this up. 
J. Ramsey Michael says, The situations addressed in these seven messages are interchangeable. Much that is said to any one congregation is said to all. At or near the end of each message comes the appeal to listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, not just this church in particular. Don't miss that. Starts off, say it to this church. Ends up, listen to what is being said to the churches. We ought to listen to all of these letters. Not just try to say, well, we're like this church, we're like that church. Listen to what Jesus is saying to all of these churches. Here's a few points of application as we end. Jesus cares about the church, which means we must care about the church. It's really easy to dunk on the church today. And we deserve a lot of it. But Jesus cares about the church. And he's the one who walks among the lampstands. People today might be embarrassed to be associated with church. Jesus is not associated to be, uh, he's not embarrassed to be associated with his people. He loves the church. He cares about the church. He wants the best for the church. If that matters to Jesus, it has to matter to us. Second, Jesus cares about the truth, which means we cannot compromise on the truth. Not with Balaam, not with the Nicolaitans, not with Jezebel. Not when they throw you into jail for 10 days, not when it costs you your life. You cannot compromise on the truth. Next, Jesus cares about sin, which means we must hear his call to repentance. Over and over and over again, he says, repent, repent, repent. If you don't repent, if you don't repent, repent. He causes people to repentance. Next, Jesus cares about His glory, which means we have to know who He is. He gives this vision to John so that we know the truth about Him, so that the curtain is pulled back and we see Him as He truly is. He wants His people to know who He is. And He says to each of these churches, don't forget I have a sword coming out of my mouth. Don't forget I have eyes like fire. Don't forget this about me. He wants us to know who he is. I shared with you the stat about 61% of evangelicals can't even answer the question, is Jesus created by God? It's pitiful. It's absolutely pitiful. Jesus spoke to us in the scriptures so that we would know the truth about him. And the majority of us in Bible-believing evangelical churches don't know anything about him. Cares about his glory. We have to know who he is. Jesus cares what is real, cares about what is real, which is why we need apocalypse. It's hard to evaluate your own church. We'd all like to think we're the best. All of these churches probably thought they were doing great. Jesus pulls back the curtain and some of them weren't. I'll let you read the Guthrie quote. One last point. Jesus cares about endurance, which is why he calls his people to conquer. And the Greek word here is nikao. In English, you would spell it N-I-K-O, verb, to conquer or to overcome. The question is, will you endure even in the face of persecution and not accommodate? Those are the two issues, persecution and accommodation. Will you hold to the truth and not accommodate? Hear what Jesus says when he tells you to repent, or will you compromise? We'll end with this quote from Schreiner. 
says, John wrote the book for pragmatic reasons so that believers would endure suffering when they're tempted to compromise, when they face the pressures of everyday life. They need to hear and to persevere. The need to hear and persevere continues in our day, especially when so many fall into easy believism and conceptions of grace claiming that obedience and perseverance are optional. Too often, Christians tone down the gravity of the exhortations in Revelation and undermine the need for perseverance. The words in the seven letters represent the words of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, calling believers to overcome, conquer, endure, and hold on to the faith until the end. We must not and cannot compromise by worshiping anyone or anything else by capitulating to the norms of society and culture in which we find ourselves. With that, let's pray, and we'll be done. Father, tonight we simply pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Lord Jesus, what your Spirit has to say to our church. Lord, it is easy for us to read these letters and to think about other churches and to point the finger and to criticize and to critique, but we pray that we would have ears to hear what you are saying to us. Help us to see this true picture of who Jesus is and this true picture of what he wants from his people. Lord, give us wisdom as we continue to make our way through this book. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.